Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see people um, putting stuff in the chat. It's good to um, get a sense of others' praises and Thanksgiving coming over as well, which is lovely. So thanks for doing that. Um, I, just before I speak, just a few notices. Um, if they got the email this morning, um, one, just to give thanks to God, we were given um, a good amount of money from the council to, for the free lunches, which is fantastic, which means that we're covered till, well, beyond lockdown, but we're doing it till the end of lockdown. So praise God, we don't have to um, think about that. Um, but we asked after some drivers this week, Tuesday and Thursday, if you're available to help deliver, that would be fantastic. It's only about 45 minutes, around about half 11, 12 o'clock kind of time. So if you could ask, let me or Abigail know, that'd be great. Um, we're praying tonight, 7 o'clock. We've had some really great times of prayer recently, and I just encourage you to, to come. Um, set aside that time from 7 till 8. Uh, details are on Zoom. Um, I'm just trying to think if I've forgotten any other message uh, notices. Let me just check. Uh, yes, there's a new church uh, prayer WhatsApp group. Um, it's uh, it is there for prayer requests um, and there's details in the email as well. If you'd like to be on that, please send or any one of the elders can add to you to that um, and just read the email. There are, there are some guidelines, I would say rules, but um, for using it, it is for prayer requests um, rather than anything else. So please take a look at that um, if you'd like to be part of that. And just to remind you, it is in two Saturdays' time, the MLG Online Gathering, 6th of March. Again, details are in the email. So I think that's our um, the uh, notices today. But um, this morning, I want to... Uh, the, the title of my talk and the theme really came from a challenge that I got when I read a book. Um, I'm not preaching the book, but it's a particular, there was two words that came out and um, it stuck with me and it kind of like got deep and made me really think and, and challenge me. And the two words were higher love. And if um, um, some of you are already thinking of uh, Steve Winwood's song, Higher Love, yeah, um, but you know, and th and this was the thought um, for you young ones. Uh, you might want to Google it. Steve Winwood, one of the best. When they created music, real music in the eighties, you see, um, that's that's when you got a lot of these songs. Um, but here was the thought, you know, have we brought the love of God and the experience of our love for God down to a human level, uh, making it comparable to human love? Have we set up on a pedestal love for other things or, or for other people? Have we brought this higher love of God down to our human kind of experience? Or has our experience of the love of God become so dulled down that it's actually more of a um, mental assertion or, or, or assumption or understanding uh, or simply a belief without an experience of his love. And interestingly, Oswald Chambers this morning, if you read Oswald Chambers, he actually said this. He said, if what we call love doesn't take us beyond ourselves, it is not really love. If we have the idea that love is characterised by cautious, wise, sensible, shrewd and never taken to extremes, we have missed the true meaning 
This may describe affection and it may bring us a warm feeling, but it is not a true and accurate description of love. And in the time there is, what is our love for God and what is his love for us characterised by? Is it this extreme love? Is it something that goes beyond the kind of cautious, sensible kind of love? And um, so I want us to to think about this. I want um, to kind of think, maybe challenge us this morning to ask ourselves, are we simply content to know that God loves us without knowing the experience of that love? And are we content to know that God loves us but not really have any sense of the experience of our love for God as a response to that? So there's two parts of it. We cannot love God on our own, it's, as the word says, we see a bit later, we love God because he first loved us. So it all starts with love. But um, quoting from Steve Winwood, which um, you should look up later, you young people, um, this is what he says in his lyrics. Think about it. There must be a higher love down in the heart or hidden in the stars above. Without it, life is wasted time. Look inside your heart and I'll look inside mine. Things look so bad everywhere in this whole world. What is fair? We walk the line and try to see, falling behind in what could be. Oh, bring me a higher love. Bring me a higher love. Oh, bring me a higher love. Where's that higher love I keep thinking of? See, you're captivated, aren't you? What an amazing song. And and where is this higher love? There must be a higher love, Steve Wimmer says. And there is a higher love. It is a higher than any other love. You won't find it in the stars. You won't find it down in your heart. But it is true that without it, life is a wasted time. So I want to encourage us to take a fresh look at God's love and recognise that God's love is far higher, greater than we have ever Expected, and so maybe if there's anything from this, maybe we can raise our expectations. Um, and I want to tell you that God's love is something that can be and should be experienced. And that's not always with feelings, because it mustn't be feelings orientated, but it may be with knowledge. But there is some experience where I know God loves me, and I know a love in me that is directed at God. And it is a love that is greater than any other love. And we're called to love. Jesus himself said, first great commandment, this is Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Just notice, look at that. All of my notes haven't printed out. Um, That's why I got back up. It's in my heart. Um, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. My fault for not checking that my notes are printed out. It's all right. I, the only thing when I don't have notes is that I speak twice as long. Um, he says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, this is verse 36, and all your mind, sorry, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And we have to ask ourselves, does God ask us to take a raw deal with his love? If God is love and he's wanting to pour out his love and he's saying to you, I want you to receive this love of mine, 
And I want you to take it and I want you to put it right in its place, the highest love in your heart. I want you to receive it and I want you to love me back from that love. Is it a raw deal? Is loving God or knowing this love something that will bring, and we've got to be careful when we say this, that will bring tragedy, suffering and all sorts of trouble and problems because of that love. And now the reason I say that is sometimes when we're, we know that the Christian life written into it is suffering. We can't separate out suffering from the Christian life. But what I mean is, is that God being so loving, when we know the love of God, it doesn't come with terror, it doesn't come with fear, it doesn't come with anxiety, it doesn't come with those, that's the kind of problems I'm talking about. But when we love God like we love any person, it might take us down a journey where there is suffering. But the love of God is so powerful in us that it, everything that's going on outside of us is always secondary to the fact that we are loved of God. And does God command us, um, if you like, to enter into this love relationship? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Why does he command anything of us? He commands of us everything that is good for us. Okay, I know some of you are saying, John, this is Sunday school stuff. This is great. Um, this, is, this is simple. Um, but a loving relationship is the greatest a loving relationship with God is the greatest blessing we will ever experience. And that should be the, the case. God's love for me should far exceed, and the experience of that or the knowledge of that, the truth of that, should far ex exceed Jana's love for me. Yeah. Jana's my wife, by the way, not just some. <laughs> my love for my wife should never be more than my love for God. And I know what does that look like? It's easier said than done. But when we talk about higher love, this is what we need to think about. Am I loving God or ex expecting a love of God, first and foremost? And am I loving him and that love for him far greater than any love for anything else? In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love him, because he first loved us. And in John 5, 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, we have to recognise that this sermon, is, as much as it's about and I want you to go away with this, is to, to examine your heart and say, do I really love God? The response is to focus on the source, which is, does God really love me? Does that make sense? Anyone? I'll give you an example, okay? Um, some of us, uh, Daniel and I and, and a few others, went for a walk in Devon. Dave was there and a walk in Devon some years ago, fantastic. And I don't know if you remember this, Dave, we'd done this big long walk to this reservoir, it was awful, came out eaten by mosquitoes, climbed over a fence, was trying to find somewhere to camp. Meanwhile, Dave was thinking, this is it, I've had enough, I'm going to get a cab home tomorrow. I've done it, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, we stopped to walk and Tim went ahead, Tim crosses with us and, um, and there was a little stream 
and just along there, there was a part of a cow. Do you remember this? Um, Dave don't remember it. It was obviously so difficult for him to see. I don't know if it was the head, the leg. It was just a part of a cow. And, and I thought, well, it was really strange because it wasn't like by road or anything. So was it some kind of, you know, the beast of Bob Moore or whatever it is or whatever it was. But it made me think about drinking from streams when you're in the wilderness or when you're up a mountain or whatever it is. Now, usually you'd say, well, you could drink from a stream because it's water that's quite poor, uh, uh, pure. But they say, never drink from a stream. Go find the source because anything could have been put in that stream. A dead animal could have fallen into that stream and you're drinking all of that badness, for want of another word. And it made me think about that. Drink from the source and without that source, if you like, there is no stream. You know, there is no goodness. We've got to find the source. If we really want to be those who love God, we've got to go to the source of that love and the source of that love for God is the love of God. Yeah? See, if you want some, to be someone who loves God, you must first become intimately familiar with God's love for you. And that might seem selfish. I mean, in a relationship, uh, maybe with one, someone else, you can say, well, look, I need to be completely, absolutely sure before I love you, Jana, that you love me. You say, well, John, you've got a problem. You know, you're selfish, narcissistic or whatever. But with God, the rules are different. With God, is, listen, you've got to know that God loves you and you've got to know what that means for you. He wants to pour out his love upon you and in you. His love is so unique. We can't compare it to the love in, in a relationship or a brotherly love or a friendship love or anything like that. It is completely unique. The Greeks used four words for love because they, they needed, and, and we all need this, we, don't, we only have one word in English, but four, four words of love, some of you will know, eros, storge, philia and agape. Three of those are used in the Bible. One of them is um, assumed in the Bible in the way that it's written. Eros, much of what we call love in our day and age, in this culture, could be described by the word eros. It's, the, um, it's where we get the word erotic, or it's romantic, sensual love. Um, it's originated from the myth mythological Greek god of love. It's sexual desire, physical attraction, physical love. The Roman counterpart would be Cupid, which you would see up in, you know, um, Piccadilly Circus, the old Cupid with the, uh, the, the arrows. And Eros is blessed of God when expressed within the confines of marriage in the, in the more sensual side of things. Um, and romance is good and there's lots of good things. Often though, it will lead to promiscuity, if I've said that right, passion and desires that lead to sin, lust, being a selfish desire, um, uh, all these kind of things. So that's one. It's within the confines of marriage, we see this kind of love um, celebrated and enjoyed as a blessing from, from God. Um, the second one, the Greek word, is storge. And I say it's not used in the Bible, so you won't find it in your Greek lexicon. But it's essentially this love, which is like family love. Love you'd have for your family. Um, and it's interesting that there's a word in Romans, well, you might not find this interesting, a Rome, in Romans 12, 10 is a word, philo storgios, which is these two words coming together. And it talks about us 
commanding believers to be devoted to one another with brotherly affection. It talks about have family love for one another. This is uh, where it's coming. Brotherly family love. Philia um, originates from the Greek term philos, a noun meaning beloved, dear friend, someone clearly loved, prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted, confident. Um, and it's most often used in, in the Bible when it's talking about love between one another and it's a brotherly love. And so that you can see how these are very different. Then you have this word agape and this is the highest of the four types of love and it, and it uh, refers to God's immeasurable, incomparable love for mankind. And um, it's divine love, it comes from God Um, All love comes from God, but like the stream, things can get into the stream and you never know what you're drinking and it leads people into all sorts of things. But this is, if you like, this source love, the love of God. And if you've got your Bibles, if you go to John 21, um, see, Jesus wants us to know not just brotherly love, although the Bible teaches us to love one another, but we must know this agape love. And there's a little um, account of when Jesus is speaking to Peter, and this is verse 15. And he says, So when I had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? He said to um, he said to him, yeah, Yes, Lord, you know that I filio, love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape love me? He said to me, yes, Lord, you know that I filio love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you filio me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you filio me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I filio you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, I think Jesus was saying, Peter, you've got to agape me. And maybe something in, in Peter grieved when Jesus changed the word. And, uh, but interesting, Jesus, see, Jesus introduced him, Peter, there's a higher love. And Peter discovered this in, in um, I'll just read this, you don't have to turn to this, in the first, of his first epistle, Peter. Uh, in one eight, it says, though you have not seen him, you agape him. In uh, 4 verse 8, it says, above all, keep agape love one another earnestly, since agape love covers a multitude of sins. In 1 verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere filio, brotherly love, agape one another earnestly, from a pure heart. So you can see how Peter's sudden, he's now understood it. He's, he's gone beyond the filio, he's understood agape, he's understood the higher love, this love of God, but he's also saying, now you move in that love of God to others and all love returns to God. And we talked about that um, not long ago in there's a sermon invitation into the, Love, I think, or the dance of love. You remember me talking about that? It's on YouTube. Where it says, as we love others, that love returns. It's completed, one John says, returns to the Father. 
So are we, are we, um, are we aware? Do you know of this higher love? And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm building a picture here. But here's the question. <clears throat> are we doing a good enough job of presenting the love of God as the higher love or are we focusing on the other loves, eros, dorje, filio, as the goal? If we were to understand that the love of God and the love for God is the means by which we do not need any other love, let me say that again. If we were to understand that the agape love of God, when we know that love of God, we, really, we recognise that we do not need any other type of love. That's how higher it is. Is that making sense? But we can focus on the eros, dorje, filio, the other types of love as our goal, and we're not knowing the higher love. We know of the higher love, but we don't know it. Now, I'm not saying that we should, you know, I, don't, I shouldn't focus on loving my wife or my children or having brotherly love and, you know, all these kind of things, because if you know the higher love, these things will come about. So don't go home and say, wife, husband, John says, I'm done. But we mustn't make an idol out of the other things. See, do we in any way create the understanding? And let's think about our church life. Do we create an understanding? Do we create a culture that if you're not in a relationship, you lack? If you're not in a relationship, you lack love. Do we, in our own minds, feel that? And I'm going to touch on sensitive things now. But if we create the understanding that to not be in a relationship with another person is a position of lack, we are taking the higher love and we are bringing it down to our level and we're, we're pushing up this one, eros, storge, filio. Because if we say that actually, do you know what? If you knew the higher love, you wouldn't feel that you need a relationship. I'm being quite, I hope I'm being quite clear on these words. There is, uh, you know, I, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was when God brought Jana into my life and everyone went, ah. So I'm just saying marriage is a wonderful thing. I'm not saying that we should suddenly quit relationships. Brownie points, eh? But we mustn't make marriage or relationships an idol. And maybe churches make marriage relationships an idol because they focus so much on encouraging people into relationships with other people and not enough in, in recognising that, do you know that in God it is possible to be absolutely satisfied in whether you be single, divorced, or whether in a relationship with, with someone who you don't feel loves you, all these kind of things, you can find an absolute satisfaction and joy in the love of God, this higher love. Sometimes we don't get what we need from our, our marriage partner. And maybe for some of us, much of our prayer life, if we are in a relationship, is for our partner because they're not giving us what we want in our relationship. And that can be emotional, physical, it could be mentally, it could be all sorts of things. Um, if you don't pray for that, then maybe you're just whinging about it. <laughs> but 
if we are looking for our partner to provide for us what God has designed for his love to provide, we have made an idol of that. We can make idols of relationships, of marriages, of all these kind of desires when we put it above the love of God. And if God is not all to you, and you're not enjoying the love of God and you're not overjoyed at the opportunity to love God, then something has taken this place. Now, someone might say, John, she's very idealistic. So I'm aware that actually, do you know what? This is like, where, where's, where's the destiny or the destination? What is the expectation? If we were, you know, where is the goal of God's love? And so we might see, well, I'm here and that seems far away. That's like an ideal. But is it true? This is my point. Is this truth that I'm talking about or is it just idealistic nonsense? If it's idealistic nonsense, then switch off. But is God's love completely satisfied? And does the scripture say that God's love is completely satisfying of us? And I may not have got done a good job of showing that but you can do that as well. You can go and search the scriptures. But this mind comes is to believe in a far greater experience of his love for you and the joy of that. And so even now, you know, I'm so, I'm, as this has challenged me because I'm like, Lord, I want to experience a, the higher love. I want to know it more because I want to love you more in it. And I can't love you more in it until I know it more in my heart. And I know that that would make me so much more of a lover of my family, of my you know, friends, of church, of people that I meet randomly on the street because I'm just filled with this higher love. And what a shame if we're just focused on this lower level love as much as it's great and it's a blessing or wonderful. So I don't want you to feel condemned if you feel in any lack. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to say, in a sense, to say, look up and start believing that there is a satisfaction in God in his love. If there's condemnation, that's the enemy and we've got to shake him off. But that's my destiny is to know the love of God in such a powerful way. I do not need any love from any other person. Therefore, there should be no complaints in my heart, in my mind, about what others are providing me in terms of love. I've got to take that to the Lord. And now, that, again, this is easy to preach. It's not easy to practice. But God's love, nevertheless, remains the same. To desire a good marriage is a wonderful thing because in marriage displays the picture of heaven and that's why Jesus, or Paul teaches us to, as, as husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's a picture of the church and God, the bride of Christ. So it's a wonderful thing. When I reflect on my pre-married life, I got married when I was 27, um, which at the time was typically a bit later in the day, especially if you got brought up in church. <laughs> uh, I wasn't young like 19 20, you know, engaged. And the reason for this is because God never gave me the liberty. It wasn't just my blunt personality. <laughs> but um, when I look back, and some of this is hindsight, I would long for a companion, long for a relationship. And, but I knew God was saying no. 
And then there was one day, one year, I think it was in 1998, I can't remember, where turn of like the new year came, January the 1st kind of thing, and it felt like, felt like that restriction had gone. And that was the year I met Jana, and the rest is history. But this was the point, is that I knew, that, I knew at the time God was saying, you've got to get somewhere in my relationship with you because if you don't get to a certain place, when you get into a relationship, you, it, you will, I use these words now, didn't them, you will make that an idol. And I've got to be your number one. And, uh, and the Lord really blessed me. But, it, but it's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging, but we've got to find this higher love. So I don't want to make light of the challenges of when we're in relationships, whether in marriages that are struggling or in singleness or all these kind of things. But um, the challenge is really, are we selling ourselves short when it comes to love? Are we focusing on the wrong love, the lesser love, and therefore selling us short on what God wants us to know? It's possible to remain single for the rest of your life and be completely satisfied in the love of God and your love for God. Um, Jesus talked about eunuchs. Um, Buckle up, men. I'm going to talk about castration. Um, There were men who were... um, uh, Eunuchs were generally castrated. They'd work in areas of the palace. um, And... but. They, in a sense, they were, some it was forced, some chose this life of singleness. Um, but Jesus talks about them, and I want to read this, it's Matthew 19, 11 to 12. He says, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. There are eunuchs who have been so from birth. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have, been, who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. In other words, there are, if, we, if we change the word unit to single, um, it's essentially, in the New Testament, that's what it's talking about. There were people who gave their life to the Lord in singleness. Some were made it from birth by men, he says, but made themselves units for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And again, let me reiterate, do you believe there's such a reality of the love of God is so complete that you don't need anything else? The book that I referred to at the beginning, which where these two words sort of really struck me, um, is called The War of Loves. And the subtitle is The Unexpected Story of a Gay Activist Discovering Jesus. And I recommend you read it. I think everyone in the church should read it, to be honest. Um, It's by David... Bennett, um, and it, as it says about this, it was atheistic, gay, activist man who used to hate the church, Christians, whole idea of it, and God just meets him in a powerful way. And his journey is how he can reconcile himself with the Word of God and wanting to live for God. And in an interview, this is what he says about God's love says, God's love actually changes our hearts and desires that... um, Sorry, let me start again. God's love actually changes our hearts and desires that fit with his will and purpose. 
That has happened with my same-sex desires. I don't want a gay marriage or a gay relationship anymore. I want to be completely with God and serve his kingdom. That's taken a long time, 10 years. And there's been moments where, of course, I've wanted that, talking about marriage, but overall you change over time. Once you've tasted God, known his presence, you are given a new desire, life which is not orientated around the old man, but which desires the heavenly future. Christian joy is so amazing. I am addicted to the joy of God. I think Christian joy is ultimately about union with God, knowing this incredible joy that he has about who we are or what the creation will be like when it's finally finished and we can rest in eternal intimacy with him. And there's nothing like that. The Bible states that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. And in some sense, I know I'm going to suffer, but I've got this joy set before me, Christ. It's hard to describe what it looks like, but I would say that it looks like a human being fully alive, which doesn't require sex, is completely independent of sex. Christian joy is more than happiness and comes through suffering too. That's a really interesting mystery in the Christian life. The people of the greatest Christian joy that I've seen are those who have suffered the most. Incredible. I hope some of that went in, but the point is this. This man loves the Lord and he's not changing the way he feels, particularly same-sex attraction. But he's living a life of celibacy because he's living by the word of God. But the, what fuels him is his introduction to the higher love. Because he knows, as much as he would love to be married, have a family, he's got this reality of the higher love of God. The joy that comes from that. And I just think, you know, what hope there is for anyone who comes to Christ, for whether it's LGBTQI plus community, um, God's love can radically change hearts, can bring them into it. That's why we want to introduce people to Jesus, not changes. Jesus, his love changes. One of my most recurring prayers is, Lord, will you help them to know your love? And that's the hope, and that's such a wonderful book. And I think that when we get to heaven, we will celebrate so many people, and we should celebrate them now, who are living a life of suffering, of restriction, of sacrifice. And, and I think in this community of people who are living for the Lord because they know the love of God. And that's something that I think we take for granted. And, you know, I was just start to look in Revelation, look at those passages where it talks about the people who have given up their lives for God being around the throne. And I think, do you know what? I think, I don't know whether, I don't know, that's why I didn't go there, but man alive. Um, but there is this love. And I just wonder, me, this is me speaking, whether I truly have sought it out however I've got this idea that's formulated by these other loves of what the love of God is. So if you've made any step in desire for God, my, um, any response to the gospel, whether you've been baptised or not yet, you must be intimately familiar with the love of God. You must, we must. 
We must spend time learning to listen, to, to be able to identify and understand the reality of his presence, which, where we experience the love of God. We've got to raise our expectations of what the love of God and the experience of his love is. We must expect our hearts to be greatly changed and charged with the love of God. Um, because if we don't, then the Christian life will be hard. And let me, what does Steve Winwood say? He says, where is this high love I'm thinking of? Well, it's here in Jesus Christ. So what should we look for in our heart? Uh, what should we do about this? I'm going to finish with this. First of all, is there an amen? Um, do you want a full, I, I don't like using this word, but I'm going to say it. Do you want to fall in love with God all over again? Then you know that God's love is already moving. If there's a response in your heart that says, yeah, I do, I want that, then you know that God's love has already got its, its movement in you. And it's about pushing, you know, in a sense, Lord, I just got to maybe just let go into it. Just allow you to move through me. Will you come, you know, maybe just whatever you got to do with my heart and mind. But, um, but first of all, we got to identify God's love is already present. Um, if you're feel as dead as a doornail, then maybe I want to just give you a little practical thing. Take 10 minutes every day. And you can remind us by, um, I've just summarised it to one, two, three, four. Okay, I've tried to be really basic, but this is a, it take you 10 minutes. Um, just take one minute and ask God to help you know him. One minute, that's not hard, is it? One minute. Say, God, I need you to help me know you. If as soon as you start trying to work at it yourself, you're going to fail. God, by his Holy Spirit, has got to do it. So that's number one. One minute, two minutes. Give thanks to God for all you have. It's radically transformed my life over the last three months. I sit there and I give thanks. And I usually just go through my family. I thank God for my wife. I go thank God for Chloe, Esther, Benjamin. I usually thank God for the day, whatever you want to thank God for. But two minutes, Lord, I just thank you. And that sometimes spurs into prayer. But two minutes, give thanks to God for what you have. Take three minutes to worship. And you can do that by doing that. Or you can listen to a song. If you can find a song in three minutes, you know, you can go beyond three minutes, but three minutes about a song. Four minutes to sit still and be silent in your heart. Believe in faith that God is present to reveal his love to you. And that might take a month for you to really identify that. But you've got to just sit there. Four minutes. Four minutes. And of course, you can do this a lot longer. You can extend it. But we've got, we got to, and I'll say this a lot, we've got to get used to giving God time and opportunity to reveal himself to us. So is there a strong desire in your heart for a relationship or for a change in your relationship, well, keep praying. I don't want to make light of those situations. Keep praying. Keep asking God to provide. Keep asking God to meet the needs in your family, in your situation, whatever it is. Keep praying. Trust in him. He's going to do something for your good and his glory. You know, let your father deal with your partner. If your partner's a pain in, in the backside, you know, just pray for them and ask God to deal with them. Um, the main point here is don't let your situation of love, desire, become an idol to you. 
We want to raise the bar on our expectation of God's love. Amen. I'm going to pray and uh, I'm going to invite the team to come back. But I just want to offer this to you. If, you're, if, you're going to, if you want to respond to this this morning, maybe just do something, put your hands out and say, Lord, I'm here. And our response ultimately is, Lord, I am available to you. And at the same time, I'm going to lay down every thing that may well be an idol in my life. Father, we just pray and ask Holy Spirit for you to reveal your love, your agape love, Lord, your wonderful love that flows from the source of God above, Lord, that it may completely and radically change our hearts and minds and cause us to love you with such a greater passion and desire, Lord, that we would be willing to do anything, Lord, because your love is so powerfully amongst us, Lord. Will you come, Lord, will you help those who are in real need at the moment? Will you come, Lord, and minister to them, Lord, give them confidence in you and your purposes, Lord, in you, in the, in the reality, Lord, that you are at work in our lives and therefore in our families, Lord, that you are the hope, Lord, not us, Lord, that you are the one that can change any heart, no matter the hardness, Lord, no matter the situation. Lord, will you give us patience by help, um, helping us to know your love, Lord, like an ointment to our very being. Lord, to know that our lives are in your hands. Lord, and we are okay. As we were encouraged earlier by your word through Jenna, help us to come and give it all to you and ask of you. So, Lord, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.